On this week's episode, we climb aboard the Darjeeling Limited. Is the luggage a metaphor? Is it possible to dislike Angelica Houston? And did you save yours? Find out now you're listening to 24 Flames Per Second. Another, yet another episode of 24 Flames Per Second, another train, another car in the train of the ongoing journey that is our show, everybody. Uh, it, this is the podcast that roasts the films we love the most. And as always, I'm your host, Robert Spiewak. Welcome to the show this week. We are like a train, just running into our final destination, which is the end of season two, which is coming up in just a couple short weeks, everybody. We're very excited. And... Um, talking about trains because this week we are doing this is the only way i can relate to this movie at all in terms of where we are in current events right now uh the uh movie we're talking about this week is uh, wes anderson's 2007 the darjeeling limited with um it's all-star studded cast of many many familiar faces uh we're excited to talk about this one just um it just seemed like a a good one as we head into the home stretch here of season two and so yeah um I think uh, I don't have any more things to say, really, um, other than uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Let's um, let's get on into it this week. Uh, across the table from me this week, the Rita to my chief steward, <laughs> Casey Rom. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Um, excited to talk about this movie. I brought some some fun facts for us to put it into context. Let's hear them. Um, so, as mentioned, this is written and produced by Wes Anderson, um, and I think a lot of people compare Wes Anderson movies to other Wes Anderson movies. Mm. Uh, it came out after Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic, but before Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest Hotel, which okay. tended to be the most, like... This is the tipping point. Yeah, that those ones kind of turned into really big successes, both critically and at the box office. Okay. Um, this one was the lowest gross, grossing Wes Anderson movie since Bottle Rocket. It had oh. a budget of $17.5 million and grossed about $35 million. Okay. Um, highest grossing movies in 2007 were Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the one. Phoenix, and too. Spider-Man 3, um, oh, all of which made around... Nine hundred million. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, and the best picture at the Oscars in two thousand seven was The Departed. The Departed. Fucking <laughs> 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 rat. <laughs> uh, so that's where that's where this movie is sitting culturally okay, and. Uh, put your brains back in two thousand seven. Yeah. Freshman in high school. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, those are good facts. Thank you for sharing those yeah. facts. Did you watch the movie this week? Um, not this week, but pretty recently. It's okay. uh, my, one of my roommate's favorites, so oh. we watched it maybe a month ago. So, yeah. So now we've all got an opinion of her roommate. Some people think she's an idiot. Some <laughs> awesome. people think she's right on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a she, right? Yes, I assume, yes. but I was pretty sure. I it's think, a she. I don't know if I've met <laughs> Um, it's a girl. <laughs> um, it's oh god. The party. It's a girl. The party. Yikes. <laughs> Sorry. What is she? Roommate. Um, <laughs> she doesn't even go. No, she doesn't. <laughs> this, is, 
This is, this is off the rails. Yeah, we're derailing. We're the train tracks. Yeah. Ooh, derailing. Get back. Uh, we, took a, we went the wrong way. Sorry, guys. You How do you go the wrong way on the train? It's on rails. Okay. Very good. Let's yeah. um. Let's okay. Let's introduce the people. <laughs> All right. So starting with the roasters this week, we have a projectionist. <laughs> you can find him on Instagram <laughs> at na eighty dot na eight. Choo choo. Nate Sawtell. Hey Robert, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? It's I'm good, good to have you here. I'm ready to board this train. You're also a filmmaker. Yes. I should have said both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> ready to get on the train. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have you here. It's been a little bit. Um, yeah, and next to him, doting theater father. Find him on Instagram at btaves. Brian Taves. Hey. Is it pronounced Bataves? Bataves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Ready to board um, this peace train. How are you? Okay. I'm going to come in with the train puns. Uh, <laughs> is that a I don't know. It was a play on words. I'm good. It's I'm, just an illusion. <laughs> I'm good. I, 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 I'm excited because Wes Anderson's one of my faves. So. Oh. So you're ready to just... Destroy it. Pick on him a little <laughs> bit. My least favorite Wes no, Anderson say, The feelings of hatred and love are very close to one another. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like the... Back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, <laughs> great. good. Jesus Christ! This is uh, gonna go well. We're, we're all yeah, hopped, we're all hopped up on painkillers, okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, great, good. It's good to have you here. And across the table on the defense this week is actor, director, and anti-philanderer. Find him on Instagram at Chris.Qualisi. Chris Qualisi. Hello. Hi. How's it going? I'm doing. I'm doing great. How, how's everyone? How's how are you doing? Good. Good. It's giggly. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is gonna go great for me. Specifically. <laughs> we shall see. And uh, you know the drill. First things first. We do on the shows. Movie in a minute. Mm. We will do the uh, movie in a minute. And um, first. Jesus Christ. Do I have, how long do I have? <laughs> give us the full plot synopsis of the Darjeeling Limited in 60 seconds or less. I will give you a three count and then you're off. Okay. Are you ready? Never am. Let's do it. Okay. All aboard. Great. <laughs> God. You should have put conductor on. <laughs> Sorry. We're all amateur engineers. <laughs> I should have found a train whistle. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. In uh, three... Two, one, go. Okay, three brothers reunite on this train in India a year after their father's death. Uh, and the train is called the Darjeeling Limited. Uh, Darjeeling is also a T, just fun fact. Um, and uh, basically what we find out is that uh, the oldest brother put this whole thing together as like a spiritual journey for the three brothers. He also secretly has tracked down their long-lost mother. I say lost, but really she's purposely off the radar and avoiding her family. And uh, a lot of things go wrong. The, uh, the whole spiritual part of it isn't really happening because they're pretty superficial people. And eventually they get to their mom after getting kicked off the train and all of these things. She runs away, so it seems like it's for nothing. But then all the way through this, you see this metaphor where they get their father's baggage, like literal luggage, and they're lugging it around the whole time. And at the end, they finally shed it when they're jumping on the train home. And it's a beautiful, beautiful. 
And you did it with three seconds to go. That's right. Very good. You even had room for a fun fact about tea. That's, yeah, that's you, had a, you had an aside. And Chris. if you haven't had that tea, you should really try. That's the first, that's the first fun fact in movie. In a movie. Uh, usually, everyone doesn't just doesn't get there. Um, sweet. Well, very good. Yeah, I have nothing to add. There was a deadly snake. Um, yes, and a it. tiger. Yeah. And yeah. a whole river sequence. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, very good. We are going to take a quick little break. When we come back, we will get your opening statements while you're here defending Darjeeling Limited, everybody. We will be right back. And we're back, everybody. We uh, masterfully done. Chris Colisi just completed moving a minute for the Darjeeling Limited and uh, included fun fact along the way. So um, we're, we're going to dive right into the, the show. Give us, uh, let's start with opening statements. Chris, why are you here defending the Darjeeling Limited? Okay, um, I should first probably say this. Um, other than watching the Royal Tenenbaums when I was a little kid, this is the only Wes Anderson film oh, oh, I've wow. seen. Ooh, nice. And they're all looking at me with stress <laughs> that's in their eyes. That's interesting. Um, that's very So I'm coming at this without the auteur uh, aspect uh, or the appreciation of his other films. I'm looking at this as a standalone film, <laughs> which I think is going to strengthen my stance. Uh, he, and here's why. Um, there are several categories of why this movie is great. The first is the... Uh, what I understand to be a pretty iconic uh, Wes Anderson motif is really quirky characters who make really flawed decisions. We hate to love them and we love to hate them. Uh, like you said before, Robert, the difference between love and hate is real, real, real close. Mm. And um, we follow them through a, an actual character arc, which feels like it's completed by the end. Uh, the next thing is the cinematography. Uh, it's like the camera is another character. We have a lot of really fast like pivots and swivels, and I don't know the technical terms. Nate probably does, and uh, and they feel like we're a, we're a character getting to look around to all the things that we want to see in the world. There's a lot of like world building in that way, but it's also like really selective. Um, it's a really colorful film as well, um, not just in the racist colorful term, uh, but also in like actual vibrant <laughs> colors. Uh, uh, I, I don't think. Sorry, I don't think anyone would have been like, <laughs> yeah. like, talking about all the brown people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are lots of people not white in this movie. Um, yeah, so it's like just cinematography. That word, a pretty great film, and I would also argue that um, all of the design elements really aid the storytelling. The music mm. is really selective and really well placed. It's also great music. Um, all of the actors are fucking fantastically cast and put on great performances. Um, the script is really sparse, but it still feels like a very full movie. And um, yeah, I feel like that's a lot I just said. So I'll just, I'll, that's an opening statement or two. Yeah, that's very good. Um, okay, so Roasters, um, I think we we're just we we're just kind of talking about he opened with the quirky characters. So let's start there with the characters in this movie. What do we think? Trash. Okay. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> end of end of our <laughs> case closed. Uh, I think that they're pretty problematic in a few different ways. Um, yeah, like Brian was saying, they're all narcissistic, and I don't know. I had a really tough time really empathizing with them. Um, 
I didn't really see any sort of redeeming qualities about them. And I know they're supposed to like portray uh, like Westerners and you know how they really romanticize this idea of going to India for like spiritual guidance. Um, but I think at the end there really wasn't any sort of change uh, as to how they viewed India as a country. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the change is like what what changes in themselves and how they look at one another. But it's in such this. It's like I just don't know if the movie needed to be taken place in India to have that kind of conversation. Yeah. Like <clears throat> so, let's just run through the brothers. So Adrian Brody's character um, leaves his wife and doesn't tell his wife that he's. Uh, that he's going to go to India, and he's, like, having this baby. Uh, and she's having this baby. Uh, not him. They are. Uh, Jason Schwartzman's character is, like, this kind of misogynist, narcissist uh, fuckboy. And then Owen Wilson's character is, like, a narcissist who uh, just is a materialist, materialistic person. Like, I think these are, as you were going to your point, Chris, like, these are iconic, quirky Wes Anderson characters. Um, but I just, I feel like their trauma and their, the, their actions and their trauma, like it just, it, for some reason, it just doesn't align for me and I don't, and I can't buy into, I can't, I can't empathize with them. I had a hard time empathizing with them versus other Wes Anderson quirky characters where I'm like, eh, okay, I can see why Royal is this way or Max Fisher is this way. I just, I needed just a little bit more context and a little bit more to just to, to feel to feel for them um, so yeah I don't know do you have things to add to that yeah I think like a couple of ways that I think Wes Anderson was trying to have audiences empathize with them is like they're in this family relationship and those are always complicated to be in um, you know siblings don't always get along and the relationship with the parents could also be pretty relatable, having like a figure in the household that's absent. Um, but if you s spend the whole movie with them just like suffering because of their own reasons, it's kind of like hard to empathize. Yeah. That's kind of what yeah. I thought about it. Yeah. yeah. It's all like self perpetuated in some mm -hmm. way. Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. I think you're bringing up some great points. I think that's why they're great, though. I think the, the because they're flawed. I, I mean, you can list to the cow goes home about that's the expression expression, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, about how problematic they are or how like fucked up they are. Um, and to be honest with you, I didn't really empathize with them to start either. Um, I think that's the point. Is that I think at the beginning they start as like. Uh, characters that were like, what the fuck are they doing here? Mm. Like, and and I can't remember which one of you said, but romanticizing India is yeah. fucking real. Yeah. And I actually think that is, um, I, I, I do agree that I don't think it had to take place in India specifically. Mm. The movie is not uniquely Indian yeah. or about India, mm. but it's definitely about um, taking these characters and putting them somewhere that they had a misconception about and that they had to be knocked on their ass mm -hmm. from. Um, so I felt like from the beginning that, like as the camera character, that mm -hmm. we belonged in the place that we were and mm -hmm. that these characters didn't. And so we were watching these like Westerners or outsiders or whatever sort of fumble through and, and 
I had to sort of, they had to earn my empathy over the, the course of the movie. Like, by the time we get to that river scene and Adrian Brody's holding that little boy, it's like, fuck, man, he's really impacted by that. Mm -hmm. And, like, we've, we already thought they hit rock bottom, but now, like, holy shit, like, he's really, he's really feeling something. And it's also, like, very appropriate because that's his character arc. Like, he's having a kid and mm -hmm. he doesn't want it. And now he sees a kid <clears throat> dead in his arms and he's like, holy shit, this is really precious. And so um, I think a lot of the reasons that they're fucked up and then sort of come around, uh, I, and I, I guess I should address that, I also don't think that they come to appreciate India. Um, I also don't know that that's the point. Um, I think if this was a perfect movie, then I agree. I would totally say, like, yeah, they need to come to respect the thing because that's honestly what's maybe the one part that's missing is they don't really come to a true appreciation uh, of what gave them this understanding, but they do with each other, and they mm. do with their own situation in life. And I think that was the the whole point and what they were trying to do with the film. And I, yeah. <clears throat> I, I and I tend to agree with all those points. I do I do agree with you in your opening statement. You made the idea of like they actually have character arcs, and I <clears throat> I actually would argue that the character arcs are a lot more conventional in this in Darjeeling Limited than, say, in other Wes Anderson films. Yeah. It's pretty clear, cut and dry, like, everyone has some sort of shift in some way, which is which is well done. <clears throat> I just think, and this might shift into sort of the, maybe, like, the cultural appropriation sure. and plotting, um, but, like, the idea of, like, <clears throat> it doesn't need to be in India for this to happen, and, like, we, the reason that I have a hard time empathizing with the characters is because it doesn't have that, and I hate to say this, kind of formulaic Wes Anderson kind of playful vibe to be able to, or, or setting to be able to like, to open up, to, to, to have that juxtaposition where it's like, in, it's like India's India and it's just like you had mentioned, Nate. It was kind of like it. It became more of the butt of jokes, mm -hmm. whereas like in it's clear in like a movie like Rushmore, you have this the, the the academy and the schooling system as sort of this 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 environment and this playground for the character of Max Fisher to get you mm -hmm. know to mm -hmm. grapple with all these dysfunction. Or like in the Royal Tenenbaums, the whole thing is a book, so it's like it, it makes sense that it's sort of detached and you have these dysfunctional characters. I just like. I just had a hard time buying the environment and the setting in which these these problems went through. Like they're all very clearly three dimensional characters and complex characters. I just I, again I think I lean on the fact that it's like I don't think it needed to be taken place in India to have. Can this. I ask you a clarifying question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you're saying like in other films, which again mm -hmm. I haven't seen, so yeah. like, I apologize for this. No, no. Uh, but I think. What I'm hearing is that you're saying in other films by this director, mm -hmm. there's an environment that is whimsical and yeah. it sounds like fantastical. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. in this film, it's just India. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and it becomes problematic because I think Wes Anderson and the writers of the film, Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola, were trying to make India whimsical. But in doing that, I think they made it... They, uh, they kind of I don't like I don't know fetishized like, it yes yeah. yeah exoticized it in a way that is uh, that I think takes like looking back on it like now like with, with a more culturally conscious lens it, it takes me out of like why do I give a shit about these characters when you're treating the other people in this this area in this train car as like like other like they're, like they're just these privileged like fuckheads who are mm -hmm. just like yeah. oh we're gonna like bring a snake on board and like mm -hmm. the, the actual like 
the, the, the employee of the train is like, you can't fucking do this. Like, and I get that's the point, but I also was like, this isn't endearing or funny to so me. So do you didn't find that they came around from that idea? You don't think they evolved at all from that point? I no. did, but like, I didn't have the... I, I do think they did eventually with, you mentioned the part in the film with the boy, like when they saved the three, well, two of the three kids, spoiler alert. Um, but... Um, he already did the whole plot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, without the, with the exception of the drowning boys. Um, no, what, what I was going to say is like, yeah, like I didn't, I, I felt like that came much later in the film and like earlier in the film, I need to be like, I want to be more bought into the, like I want to be, like I want to know they're fucked up but I know, like, oh, they're fucked up because, but I can, like, there's this juxtaposed and whimsical environment for them to play in that kind of softens that dysfunction for me. So I'm curious um, whether you've watched a lot of Wes Anderson movies or not. I, when I think of Wes Anderson, I think more of an ensemble, and I think this movie has a pretty small cast. Yeah. Um, do you think, you know, given that it's a pretty short runtime, that had we focused on some of the Indian characters, it could have been rescued from this? Yeah, for sure. I yeah. think if they treated their Indian characters with and, like, actually gave them some dimensions instead of... I feel like most of them were caricatures, and especially the people in the villages that were, like, speaking, I'm assuming, Hindu, um, but or Hindi. I don't know. Correct me. If I'm uh, well, it could be Bengali. Bengali. Um, yeah. I think there's I like there's a like, bunch there's, of languages. There's, yeah, there. but I think there's like three or four like primary languages of India. But I, yeah. I don't I don't know what language they were speaking. But would it be all right to shift gears into talking about the Indian culture? Yeah, and stuff yeah. And how it's portrayed in the film. Um, I did kind of have. Was, yeah. I had one more point to bring up about yeah. the characters. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think like I was expect. So all of them do have really clear goals, and they do all get solved. So in that way, their character arc is like pretty solid and traditional. Um, but I think collectively, as a group, I the whole movie was setting up for me to expect them to have this sort of like shift of views on Indian culture, because the whole like first half of the movie is them, you know, like constantly saying like, oh this guy stole my shoe, he can build a building with it because of like, how <laughs> yeah. much money it costs. Like, just like constant disrespect like that. Did I you was... fuck that Indian girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was expecting that to be setting up for them to have a sort of change about their views about Indian culture. Um, but then after they saved those kids in the river, like a couple scenes later, they're in the airport and Adrian Brody like makes this comment saying like, "Oh, I'm sure he didn't kill the snake. It's probably part of his religion." Like, you know, it's like they didn't really change as a group. <laughs> like individually, sure they did and they solved their goals, but yeah, I think that I was a little dissatisfied with the resolution of the whole group dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately the fault of the writers and the directors of the film. Like, and there's even some some context to this is like Wes Anderson before he wrote the script, like, hadn't even visited India. So he was just, like, kind of, like, cherry-picking what he knew. Like, what I assume is that he cherry-picked what he knew. is like, oh, India seems like a cool location for this With movie. Snakes? <laughs> With snakes? With snakes, yeah. There's, like... Um, and uh, and then also, like, one of the... Like, he tried to hire a Indian actor, um, 
um, and they rejected the role in the film because of the stereotypes. They were like, well, we're not, there's nothing for me to chew on in this yeah. movie, so I'm going to reject that. So, I don't know. And then, yeah, make like, there's just other parts where it's like making light of like the, the peacock ritual. Like the, yeah. The, and then you had mentioned there was a temple that was completely like made up. Oh, yeah. Was, when like, they like go to the first city, they name drop like Temple of a Thousand Bulls, but I looked it up and it's definitely not real. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. I don't know like I think I think that's and I think that's like when marketing the movie it's like oh it seems like this is an interesting location for a Wes Anderson film like in the same play, idea of like Life Aquatic it's interesting to have it be in, on the sea and like kind of making um, um, paying homage to like uh, Jacques Cousteau mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, where it's like there's there's paying homage to India but it's done in this sort of I think in a very just limited view and I think that does unfortunately um, hurt the the character arcs and the plotting of the movie yeah yeah I mean uh, to be honest with you I think uh, not having the intimate knowledge of a country does hurt um, the representation of it in film mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think if there wasn't the idea that it seems like the writers knew that these characters were not respecting the culture. Yeah. If, if they, if, if I got the impression from this movie that the writers themselves did not respect this country because they were just writing characters and like the characters were that like, but I got the impression that the writers were purposely putting these lines of dialogue dialogue in to show us like these guys don't respect the culture that they're, being surrounded by right now and the place that they're taking this journey in they don't and I actually kind of forgot about that line in the in the train station <laughs> about, about like not killing the snake mm-hmm. um, because otherwise like I think about them sitting through that funeral and getting off the bus yeah. you know after they've gotten everything on the bus and then being like well yeah we've got to go to his funeral yeah, like, like I think about that yeah and, and that to me uh, that to me showed me that there was change and that one line sort of undermines it but I also wonder if that's like you know 30 something years of uh, western white culture it's probably not going to be changed in one week so I think uh, or changed enough anyway so I think I, I think there was change um, but they probably did not arrive to the conclusion that it sounds like you were hoping for <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well um, we can uh, <laughs> um, so we were talking uh, I, I think I think we've kind of you know gotten through almost all the characters we didn't really talk about the mom at all I don't know if there's anything Angelica Houston's character yes, yes. yeah um, I don't know if you guys had she anything she is for there <laughs> yeah, yeah. she's more of a plot device than uh, she's more of a plot yeah. device but like I, I really I, I think she was one of the only characters I actually really liked her character it's hard in the movie. to like Angelica Houston well it's hard yeah it's hard not to well she steps in and she, you're immediately like I understand so much about why yeah. these guys are the way they are yeah. and then she runs away and you're like okay cool so this wasn't actually the goal of their journey yeah you know yeah and they have to sort of figure out like okay cause you know like when you it's that fucking itinerary you get through an itinerary and you're like, okay, I did the thing that was planned for me. How do I feel now? But mm-hmm. then they had to like fucking rip up the itinerary and figure out where to get to their own resolution. Which or try to rip it up yeah. in that comedic yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> and also, 
um, yeah, that's a good point, Chris, because like uh, like Owen Wilson, like in the beginning, Owen Wilson orders for the mm-hmm. two other brothers, and, and exactly then she's right. doing it again. It's like the books it bookends it, so I, I guess that makes sense. So, but I guess like I just. And maybe that's the point is like she's sort of this enigmatic character who's like we're not supposed like and I think the fact that she's in like a what is it like a convent or yeah. like a yeah. like that makes it kind of have this sort of like like higher like high status kind of like she's this almost like pseudo deity type yeah. of thing like on this pedestal um, but yeah I just like I wanted more I guess I just wanted more of that really like I just wanted more con I just wanted to know what the fuck the deal was, what more of the dynamic was. Like, I think Wes Anderson placed a lot on the viewer to kind of figure out. Mm -hmm. But I think I just, I just want a little bit more context. Like, he does that so well in so so much more of his other movies. Like, this time around, it was like, there just wasn't a lot of focus with the plot. I was like, it was kind of like all meandering, kind of all over the place. And, you know. Yeah, I think that they could have gone deeper with, uh, like family backstory kind of just seemed pieced together um, yeah I don't know I guess like the way that I yeah. experienced it mm-hmm. was exactly as you're saying is that they built up this image of their mother mm-hmm. um, especially Owen Wilson's character and when we meet her she's not she's not it yeah and and then she you know even though it's out of out of a selfish yeah motivation she basically has to say like you guys got to fucking figure it out yourselves mm-hmm. which is so much better than if she just had the answer for them you know what i mean mm-hmm. right i i liked i i i thought that part of the film was fine it was just like i just want a little bit more motivation for why she was running away mm-hmm. and like why the dad was so important to the boy like especially Adrian Brody's character because he's like taking all of his things and all this stuff and like and I just I wanted to know I just wanted a little bit more like with the flashback sequence I feel like we didn't we were supposed to learn new things about their dynamic but we really didn't like we just look we just saw them in a different and you might disagree but like we just saw them in a different context and like in their hometown and like and I understand like the parallelism uh, with the with the the, the, the funeral, funeral of the boy, yeah. and that was the first time they'd been in a funeral since their dad. And like that all makes sense to me, but I was like, what a missed. I feel like it was a missed opportunity, plotting wise, to learn more, just more about the connection to the father. Yeah, or like yeah. how more tragic their relationship was to one another in yeah. the past. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like that flashback just gave more context about how rich they were. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, we're privileged. Like, we're in this limo. Yeah. And, like, we're in his dad's Porsche. <laughs> but we're late to his funeral. But what <laughs> I mean, to me, the flashback was more about um, the little clues that we've been given throughout the whole movie. Like, yeah. the objects that somehow mm-hmm. ended up with um, The Peter, keys. Or, yeah. yeah, or, mm-hmm. um, like, with... With the fucking car, like with, yeah. the, with the luggage being found in there, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this luggage is more important than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Like, that to me was like a signal because I was like, okay, they're all using the same luggage, whatever. But then the fact that they were like looking for the luggage, yeah. I was like, oh, the, I haven't been thinking about the luggage. Yeah. What's going on with that? And then by the end, it's like, that's the thing that I should have been paying attention to yeah. the whole time when they fucking leave it. And mm-hmm. it's like a, a literal and metaphorical, like, we are leaving behind our luggage. Gotcha. We are letting our dad go, or at least our grief go, and we are moving on together, stripped down, and streamlined. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I also felt like it was good because it's like we hear we hear little tidbits of the story yeah. that Jack is writing, and we know it's about something around the time that their father died, and then we get to see it happen. Yeah. And um, that to me, it was like it was like taking all these clues and giving us like the full picture. Even just for like five minutes, and and though and I agree with you, I think those work, and it's a clever device, and like it works throughout the movie as a motif, but like I still don't think it humanizes the characters. It doesn't humanize the situation. Like I still, those are all clever devices, and but they just it doesn't add up to me. I still don't understand what it's unclear what the relationship was to their father, mm-hmm. and I think that is what is that is what is missing in the film because. And all the other Wes Anderson films, there's all these, like, there is a core, there's some, like, you see the humanization, you see the humanity of these characters and their relationship to others. Like, Royal really loves his family. And, and like, he's fucked up, but he will do anything to be with his family. With these characters, it was like, those motifs work, but they just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah, I, myself. I feel like with, uh, like, a film like Royal Tenenbaums, just because you've seen it, I feel like there's... Um, nuggets in there where I like finally understand fully what this character is about and like it's really concise um, but I didn't really get that sense completely with these three characters in particular I mean okay. would it have been good if maybe maybe the father was like had some connection to India you know maybe that could have been a good way to like I don't know maybe like there yeah. is some there's something that there was like some connective tissue there to be like well, I mean they went to India because their mom was there yeah. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that two makes of sense. them didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like, but I don't know something to like. Maybe the dad was like into meditation. Something that just like made it. I just was missing that. I'm curious because I think that, you know, towards the beginning of the movie, um, Owen Wilson's character says, "Like I want us to be friends, not just brothers." Uh-huh. And so the way I read that was that, you know, they're their characterization was completely tied to their father and they kind of lost it after he died. And Mm. then this like journey is them coming back to reality a little bit. Like they're all kind of shirking their responsibilities and, and haven't been people since their father died. So I'm wondering like if, if there was more of the father, would that have come through for you? Or do you think it just, it there wasn't enough motivation in general? I just don't think there was enough motive. I think if there was more of a, if I understood clear, if I had a clear understanding of what the relationship like was, the dynamic with the kids and the father, I think I would have bought in more. I don't know, do you, how do you feel about that? Or do you give a shit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, I think it's just like background stuff. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I really need to know more about the father. Mm. Um, like, I definitely didn't want to see him. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. But at the same time, I hope that I hoped that s- there was just like more information revealed about him through the mother or like mm. their relationship. Um, yeah. I think that I just didn't get a clear picture of the whole family dynamic. Yeah. And like what it was ideally, like when they were all together still. 
I also just didn't like the, I guess we'll go see mom and rip up these plane tickets. <laughs> I just like didn't buy that moment at all. It's just like, we're going to have this nonverbal scene and like, I yeah. guess we'll decide to go see mom now. And like, well, they, like just, really they have plenty of money. So yeah, they have plenty of money with their, with their Mark Jacobs, Louis Vuitton bags, which Mark Jacobs and Louis Vuitton like, actually, actually made. were the designers. Of yeah. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They actually designed those bags yeah. for the, for the movie. Yeah. Fantastic. Wow. Well, we've reached the time to unmask. Too. Wow, we only talked about characters. <laughs> no, we, we talked, we talked about everything. We talked about India, we talked about the true, plot, true, we talked true, about true. characters. Yeah. But you never refuted my cinematography claim. <laughs> <laughs> we could touch on Final that. thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts there, yeah. Do you, you like cinematography? A little bit of yeah, I think cinematography is great. Um, there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of really good moments in it. Um, yeah, formal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got me there. Choo <laughs> choo. Choo choo. Um, great. Good. You just kept. You just kept it short. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, yeah. Let's unmask everybody. Let's uh, share how we really feel. Uh, Chris, you can go first. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's like that great. Um, it's probably better than a movie I could write. Um, but like, it's also, I f- it's like at the threshold where I'm like, I feel like I might have been able to write this good a movie. Um, For sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's also like, who cares unless you're a white guy? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. I'm just not sure there's another audience for it. Yeah. So. You're right. Brian? Um, it's, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with Chris. It's fine. Um, it's my least favorite Wes Anderson film. Uh, Does that mean you still like it? Uh, <laughs> well, okay, so, like, I, I, I agree. I, I still stand by all the points I made. It's like, it's like when you look back at any media that was made in, like, you know, 2015, two, 90s, early mm-hmm. 2000s, like, you know, you look back at, like, you know, the jokes that were made in 30 Rock or The Office, and you're like, Duh! like, that's problematic looking yeah, at that yeah. now in 2019. I had those moments with Darjeeling Limited where it's like, man, this might have been a more interesting film if the characters, the, the protagonists weren't white. What if they were all just, like, Indian characters? Or, um, But I, I, I agree. I think the cinematography is great. The shot at the end when they're listening to the Rolling Stones song, the... Uh, uh, play with fire or whatever that yeah. and, they, and it goes to all the different characters like that's some beautiful cinematography like oh, yeah. there and then um, um, I thought he overused the slow motion this time around but man I love that Wes Anderson slow motion <laughs> <laughs> just that like those like especially to those kink songs and uh, I think uh, uh, I go with what Chris was saying like the moment where Adrian Brody's character can't save the kid uh, is was a, an incredibly sobering moment and it's just actually like, good. Mine, mine didn't, mine didn't. I didn't get mine. Like, yeah. like, um, and uh, and it's so like beautiful and sad. And the, and even the moment afterward where he's holding the baby and like they're just like there's this language barrier, but there's this understanding. It's like, man, I wish the movie had more moments like mm-hmm. that in it. Like, yeah. What's a missed opportunity? Like maybe less irony, less deflection. And it like more... actually humanizes them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was incredible. Um, but it's it's a fine movie. It's not great, but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. I think it's okay. Um, I feel a lot about this movie the same way I feel about Lost in Translation, mm. where... 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about an extended play. I want to go back to it. <laughs> it's like uh, I used to really love both of those movies, um, just because I thought it, they were like both pretty hip and like artsy, um, and Bill Murray was in both of them. Um, but now, like when I revisit them, being older and more learned, uh, I just like see them for like. Uh, taking advantage of other cultures, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Appropriating so, them. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. play, this play, this movie <laughs> could have been in the fucking Appalachians. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could have been anywhere. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Anywhere yeah. spiritual, like, yeah. Yeah. Could have worked. A desert, some woods, yeah. Yeah. a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Central Park. She's in here somewhere. <laughs> there, there are a lot of like formal elements that I do enjoy. It's really interesting seeing other Wes Anderson movies and then coming back to this movie and kind of watching his uh, vision sort of grow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting yeah. to revisit other movies. Um, but yeah, yeah. All right. Casey. Um, I really like this movie, mm. but I also am a big fan of Wes Anderson. Like he's he's got my number, and uh, <laughs> I think even like the worst. I don't think this is the worst Wes Anderson movie, but even the worst Wes Anderson movie is a pretty good movie in my yeah. opinion. And I think that yeah. like that river sequence, I had I had honestly kind of forgotten about. It. I hadn't seen it in a long time, <sighs> yeah, and then too. like the moment that he says. I didn't save mine. I literally just like a single like theatrical <laughs> tear like rolled down my cheek, and I was just like, "Oh yeah, that's when the movie gets like where it's going." And, and the I whole just, panning shot of uh, him carrying the dead. Uh, oh my god, it's so and, well done. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's a heartbreaker, and um, I mean, I probably won't watch it again for another ten years, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of agree with what everybody said. Um, I haven't watched this in a while, but I always remembered thinking that it gets a little bit of a worse rap than it deserves in turn in like the context of Wes Anderson's catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's always like kind of the one everyone forgets about or the one that's like, oh, I just haven't seen that one yet or whatever, you know. Um, but I remember really liking it. And when I rewatched it last night, I still like it. Um, I think that uh, the just the like, yeah, the sandbox of India, like, that's harder to kind of sift through now than it was the first time I saw this. Um, but especially because, like, like we were saying, like, it doesn't matter that it's there <laughs> other than, like, spiritual things happen in India. Um, and so, yeah. Which tokenizes the culture? Absolutely. They could have done the same thing to like Bali or like Tibet. Yeah. You know, like they could have just been like, brown people pray here. Let's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah. And in in general though, um, I, I, I love Adrian Brody in this movie. Like, I I think he's, his character is great. He's just like so understated and he's always just like kind of on edge. He's just like, don't order for me anymore. (laughs) 
Yeah, he's so good running in slow motion. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a very handsome man. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, all, all the acting is so good. I mean, mm-hmm. Chris, mm-hmm. All the acting is so good. Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty Bill great. Murray yeah. trying to catch that train. Yeah, yeah. The, uns- <laughs> the unsung hero. Bill Murray is the businessman. I made a I made a connection that that was like an homage Maybe to their dad. Character. Oh. I, I, also, I was thinking I it might have been like, oh, like, like a ghosty time. He misses yeah. the train. Well, like, and and he's in a taxi. I mean, I literally thought time. he was like a vision the first time I watched it. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's like imagining how his dad. But then like it comes out that maybe his dad was never even in India, and like yeah. that's just a literal guy that we watched yeah. <laughs> for some reason. But I mean, but like but that moment where Adrian Brody's like looking at him, and it like later in the movie we get. I'm piecing this together now. Like, mm-hmm. Adrian Brody's like, I, Dad said I was his favorite. Mm. And it's just almost this, like, I don't know. I'm yeah. bridging these gaps yeah. right now. <laughs> like, I thought, I was like, is Bill Murray in, like, four other Wes Anderson films? Oh, yeah. He's, he's in he's all a, he's a, he's a Wes Anderson yeah. has, like, a like a cast yeah. that he just... Like like Jellico, I was wondering if that was supposed to be not knowing the other movies. Like, you'll see, like, Bill Murray's yeah. in Royal Tenenbaums. Is, is he, like, a character Rushmore, from one of those other movies? Life, Life Aquatic, Aquatic. This one. Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think he's in... He's he's in in yeah. Oh, he's the dad yeah. in the Kingdom, yeah. Is he in Grand um, Budapest? No. Yep. Who's he in that? He's in it. <laughs> Where? He's, he's got a cameo. He's Bill Murray. He's in Probably, it. Yeah. 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 No, he's <laughs> like, they're, they're like homies. Uh, we can talk more Wild about We'll talk about the homies. He is also a dog in Owl Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that's uh, we keep taking we keep mentioning the extended play, everybody. We're gonna keep talking more in the extended play, which is our post show. This is only for our Patreon subscribers, so if you want to listen to that and more, there's so many of those dang things over there on the Patreon that you can listen to after almost for after most of our episodes. Um, head over to Patreon.com/slash24flamespod, and uh, you can you can get access to that and a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, speaking of. Never mind. This uh, episode's in the future, not this week. Um, <laughs> so yeah, th- there's a there's a drink along from this month up right now. Toy Story three. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, there's that and a bunch of a bunch of other good. So many drink alongs. Uh, so many hot takes. Um, yeah, go check those out. Um, other people had some things to plug. Who wants to go first? Go for Chris. It. Go first. I would love to plug um, a staged reading. If you are in the Seattle area, there is a. Um, theater company called Porkfield Productions. They do a lot of theater that uh, is purposely highlighting um, Asian American voices. Uh, and this is a particular reading series they call Unleashed, um, which is like all new plays, playwrights, uh, all Asian American or Asian playwrights. Um, and I'm going to be in one um, on Monday, June 17th at the University Heights Center at 7.30 p.m. Um, it's like a short play, but it's called Captain Cork's Janitor, <laughs> <laughs> and it's got some other folks that we know. I think Mario's going to be in it. Oh. Um, so is it anyway, Isabel? is it Isabel now? I don't think so. Oh. I think Quasi's in it though. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, so we got some friends. It's like a fifteen-minute play. Wow. But there's going to be a couple fifteen-minute plays that night, and cool. you should support everything they do because they do really good stuff. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Brian? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm the artistic director of the Funhouse family. We've got Funhouse 5 auditions. We're looking for a performing ensemble of 8 to 10. Auditions are June 22nd. All you have to do is come and tell a story. Um, if you can play a musical instrument and sing a little bit, 
love to have you. Um, you can find all of our stuff. We also do a podcast on Party Fish Media. Mm-hmm. It's a combo of uh, Mark Marin versus uh, Comedy Bang Bang. We interview a guest, uh, and then we have some characters come in and interrupt that interview. Yeah. Um, so we're at Funhouse Fam on all the social medias. Check us out at www.funhousefam.com. Uh, and we hope to see you at auditions. Yeah, you can go listen to the first half of season two of the Funhouse Family podcast now. Yeah. Um, we've great. gone through a chunk Thank of you. like eight or nine episodes. Eight. We've done eight, eight. and then we've got and another more on the way later. Ten this or summer. eleven down the. I'm on episode two. Yeah. <laughs> no, season two. Season two episode. Season two episode two. <laughs> I'm on episode two of season one. <laughs> I think I'm on like four episodes. Chris is actually in all of the episodes. I actually showed up to a couple recordings unscheduled and made an appearance. That's not a joke. This is true. Um, But yeah, yeah, go. um, If you're in the Seattle area, come down to, what was the name? Captain Cork's janitor? Yeah. You just have Pork Filled Productions and you'll find it. Yeah. June 17th. And Funhouse Family. And then uh, if you want to tell us things about Wes Anderson or Darjeeling Limited, you can email us 24flamespod at gmail.com or find us anywhere on social media at 24flamespod. Not anywhere, but the big three. Um, You know which ones I'm talking about. And um, other than that, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, whatever, go and leave us a rating and a review and subscribe so you can get uh, more episodes, especially season three is almost here and it's really exciting. I'm really excited about the schedule for season three and the only way you're going to know what I'm excited about or why is if you subscribe and listen to it when it comes out. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, everybody, we uh, look forward to that. Next week, we are talking about Kung Fu Panda for Kwesi's birthday. <laughs> Uh, Kevin and me had to roast Kung Fu Panda against Kwesi Defending, um, and it was it was a lot of fun, and we did it like four months ago. Um, <laughs> um, come back and listen to that, and then after that is our season two wrap-up, and then we are into season three starting on July 3rd. So everybody, hang on tight. We're, we're, it's a lot of fun, and we're super excited to be moving on and do a third season of episodes. Um, and so thank you for listening, if, especially if you've listened to any of the episodes leading up to this one more than just this one so uh yeah we appreciate it so much we will uh catch you all next week um for kung fu panda y'all uh hope your june is going well we will uh catch you next week bye bye chugga chugga choo choo Fish media. Yeah.